The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Forum at Eight. Now, this morning, we're discussing that very, very thorny issue of etols. Uh, well, in a word or in a sentence, I should say, etols are here to stay. All motorists driving on Gauteng freeways will have to pay for e-tolls. A single reduced e-toll tariff will be applied with a new tariff of 30 cents per kilometre for cars. Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa says that Cabinet approved the new system following public hearings and engagements with the Gauteng government. The monthly e-toll cap will be reduced from 450 rand to 225. Now the electronic tolling system for driving on Gauteng highways uh, has been long coming despite a loud public outcry. So on the forum at 8 this morning, uh, we ask, with the reduced e-toll tariffs, do motorists still believe that this system amounts to highway robbery? Tell us what is your view and how has yesterday's announcement impacted on the views you hold with regard to the user pay system and e-tolls as it stands. 891 that's the number to call in on. You can also SMS us on the number 34701. Alternatively, you can send your messages via Twitter or Facebook to AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And joining us for the discussion this morning, Gauteng Government Spokesperson, Mr. Tabo Masebe in studio. Thanks for coming through. Thank you. And we also have with us our outer chairperson, Wayne Duvenage, on the line. Thanks for speaking to us this morning. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, and uh, good day, Charlie. Hi, 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 Wayne. Now, um, Mr. Masebe, let me start with you. Is this a fair dispensation? Yeah, we believe it's fair. <clears throat> uh, the Premier set up this panel uh, last year, the advisory panel, and the advisory panel conducted uh, a comprehensive uh, a socio-economic impact assessment of the system. They consulted with a wide range of uh, organizations, also had uh, conducted public hearings uh, throughout the province, uh, commissioned research. They consulted with uh, experts in various fields. So <clears throat> the report of the panel, we couldn't really have asked for a better product on which to base uh, decisions. So we believe it's fair because after that work of the panel, they then made a set of recommendations. So this dispensation that was announced by the Deputy President yesterday directly responds to the uh, key recommendations of the panel. So in fact, if you look at those key recommendations, government is saying we are fully implementing the the panel's recommendations. So it is fair. Equitable, affordable, sustainable, Yes. efficient. Does it tick all of those boxes? Government did everything that the panel said we must do, which are contained in the key recommendations. So government happy at this point that all the boxes have been ticked and it's all systems go. We are happy. Obviously, people may not be entirely happy because uh, when you ask people to pay, there are those that believe that we shouldn't be paying a cent. But in terms of what the panel had asked government to do, we are happy that uh, the new dispensation addresses all of those issues. Mr. Wayne Duvenich, is it a fair dispensation? 
Absolutely not. I, I think what's uh, missing here is that uh, the fact that the over, overwhelming majority of people that gave input to that panel and to the IMC process and to the G5 steering committee process in 2011, over 90% of it rejected e-tolling outright. It rejected it for the fact that it is very expensive, it is inefficient, it is cumbersome. And I'm talking here about the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry, the Road Trade Association, all of these organizations, plus the public, 90% plus, rejected it. So for government to sit there and say, no, we've taken into account the considerations of the people, the very people that have to pay, well, that's very misleading because they haven't. What they have done is try to appease two different levels of government to find some solution and try and keep in place a system that has failed completely. A user pay system requires all users to pay. You might get away with 90%, and we've done our research, and around the world these systems, these ITS systems, collapse when you have less than 80% of people paying. The best that government could do, this time last year, after forcing, after, after telling people and coercing them that they were going to have criminal records, the best they got to was 45% compliance. It's now dropped to 20% compliance. So really, we cannot see why they want to force an issue onto the public and the people when they will not have nothing to do with it. So uh, who's supposed to pay for these improvements that were effected? We have to pay. The public has to pay. One thing we must be sure of here is that we know that infrastructure does not fall out of the sky. It comes from taxpayers' money. Now, in 2013, the president uh, uh, commissioned a committee that reviewed state-owned entities. Recommendation number 21 says, and I quote, that public infrastructure, social infrastructure, and it says including roads, should be subjected less to uh, uh, user pays and more to taxation. In other words, I travel these roads every day. I earn a salary, I pay my taxes, and, and those taxes are used to, 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 to build these freeways that we use every day. There's another occasional routes that we take to go to Durban or Pumalanga. These are routes we use every day to go to church, to school, to sports and work. So that's what you use taxation for. Now, let me put it into another perspective. Since the GFIP project started, the fuel levy has increased by 31 billion rand a year on top of the 24 billion rand a year that was being collected in 2008. So this financial year, tax year, there'll be 55 billion rand from the fuel levy. That increase, just the increased amount, pays for two GFIPs, two uh, uh, freeway upgrades per year, cash. All we're asking for is 1.9 billion rand a a year to pay for the GFIP bonds and and the interest on that over 24 years. What is the problem here? Why does government choose a fight with its citizens forever and a day over, over and above a system that is currently in use, its current policy, it's very efficient, and it attracts zero taxation. And all I can keep saying is, no, but it's a user-pay system. It's not a user-pay system. When you start capping the rates, it's not a user-pay system. Mr. Masebe, what is the problem? Well, <clears throat> Wayne did participate in the uh, panels process. He raised all these arguments. But uh, he must also appreciate that uh, there were many other people who participated in the process. Mm. And that in the end, the panel had to consider all the evidence that it had before it for it to make uh, these uh, findings and recommendations for government to act. So we appreciate uh, the views, of, of course, of uh, outer. But we must also accept, you see, we can't sit here in government and say, okay, panel, 
this is what you said, this is what you did, this is what you are saying uh, you found, and this is what you are recommending. But so and so who went to see you uh, does not agree with you uh, because this person doesn't agree with you. Therefore, we are not going to implement uh, your recommendations. Let me just give you another example. You see, some of the organizations that participated uh, in the process actually were calling for a total scrapping of the ETOLs, uh, the ETOL system, um, including the ANC in the province. But uh, at the end, when the, the report was uh, uh, released, they all studied the report, looked at the recommendations, and then have to accept that, uh, you know, you can't win everything. Uh, we need to judge this thing on the basis that did the panel address all the key concerns that were raised by the people? The issues of uh, equitability, of equity, um, affordability, affordability sustainability. sustainability, fairness, and, and so on, mm-hmm. efficiency. Uh, they addressed all of those things. And having addressed them, they then made specific recommendations which government is now acting upon. But as I said, we do appreciate uh, the views of uh, Outer uh, on some of the things they speak on principle because they are in principle opposed to urban tolling. Uh, But uh, they also accept that uh, we must pay for infrastructure. The difference is uh, whether they say, no, we must pay it through uh, general taxation or one form of taxation that can be uh, 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 set aside for for, for, mm. for this purpose. But there's agreement that uh, we need to pay for the construction and maintenance of infrastructure. Now, we believe the, the process that the advisory panel set by Premier David Makura uh, did has uh, uh, helped us a lot in identifying what are the negative impacts of this system on the people and the economy of the province and has also helped us in addressing or in mitigating those negative uh, aspects. And these are the things that uh, the national government and the provincial government uh, set through in the past uh, few months and they are satisfied that uh, uh, the new dispensation does address those uh, uh, key recommendations of the panel. Now, these reduced tariffs, uh, you know, obviously a sweetener to entice motorists to actually go on and pay um, e-tolls because it would seem that uh, people are actually not really compliant in terms of paying for e-tolls. So what happens in the event that they don't pay? They continue to simply not pay. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is one of the points that uh, Wayne raised. And I think he's right that uh, when you have a system like this, people must pay. If you don't have compliance, then the system will collapse. One of the things, Wayne, uh, through Outer and a number of other organizations that participated in the process, They said, government, 
your problem is that you can't enforce compliance. So the panel then says, it's one of the recommendations of the panel, that government, you need to do something about compliance. Consider linking this to the renewal of uh, vehicle licenses and so on. Obviously, the Minister of Transport will have to look at the legalities of all this and uh, ensure that uh, when she does act, she acts uh, within the law. Uh, But it's one of the things that uh, the panel recommended that uh, deal with compliance. So as part of these new measures, we're also addressing the issue of compliance to ensure that people pay. Because we can't punish those that are paying those that have been paying, those that are loyal, we need to ensure that uh, everybody is able to pay. So address the issue of compliance, and that's exactly what we are doing uh, by implementing the panel's recommendations. Wayne Duvenage, your response to that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think they've got massive problems coming their way. They're not really dealing with compliance. Um, as I said, uh, all the threats last year to try and get people to and coerce them to participate and threatens with uh, threats with uh, criminal records only got to 45% compliance. And let's understand that the user pays needs all users to pay. Now, what's going to happen uh, when they try and link this to the traffic uh, renewal of, of, of uh, license fees is that they're going to spawn a whole new false license industry, I'm afraid. And I want to, I want to show you where the legality is going to come in here. Uh, picture the scene. An old lady pays her retail bills. She continues to pay them. She has disputes with Sanral over a, uh, a bills that have been uh, put onto her number plate by number plate cloning. And that has become a big problem in this province. Over 20% of cars are false or prone number plates. Now, it was 10% before retails came along. So now she has a dispute with Sanral over, uh, over um, some of these retail bills, which are not hers. She goes to the post office to renew her license. And the post office employee says, I can't renew your license because you've got outstanding bills. She says, I don't have outstanding bills. These are in, in dispute with Sandra. Well, sorry, I can't renew your license. So the post office employee forces the old lady to go home in an unlicensed vehicle now. She goes to church the next day in an unlicensed vehicle. She becomes, she now breaks the law, not of her own will, but of the system's will. So that's where it falls down completely flat. This is going to be challenged big time in the courts. And, and, and when the state, through its own uh, mechanisms, forces people to become criminals, then it is a defunct law, isn't it? It, is, it becomes a massive problem. So we can't tell you what will happen. We told Sandra, we told the government before, that when they go down this road, the, the, the clone number plate problem will grow. And they laughed at us. And it did grow. And they've acknowledged it now that it was a problem. So we're telling the government now. People will license their cars in other provinces. People will, 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 will clone plates of cars in the Western Cape and in other parts of the, of the province to be able to get their license. This A whole new set of criminal uh, industries will be spawned out of this. What we can't understand is why government holds on to a very cumbersome, very inefficient and expensive system that enriches overseas companies and that when the current policy of taking fuel levy money and giving it to Sanwell to build roads, it currently exists, is the one that attracts zero administration costs, yet they choose to fight with their citizens. And it is, it is so ludicrous, it just doesn't make sense. Well, we're going to hear from our listeners now and uh, hear what they have to say about this. And we're asking the question, with the reduced 
tariffs. Does that entice you to actually go out and be compliant, to pay e-tolls? Tell us what your views are. 0891-104-208. AM Live on SAFM. That's where you can send your Twitter and Facebook messages. SMS us on the number 34701. And just to kickstart us, Augustine says, nothing to worry, Sakina. Recommendations are just that, recommendations. They will not be implemented. Zuma said so. And then... uh, uh, Kim Mkakia um, says uh, that Makura made us believe that etols may be scrapped and now this. And Tabang says, please tell the guy that we need a referendum on etols. Don't decide on our behalf. So those are some of the uh, sentiments that are coming through on uh, the uh, media networks. So let's go to the lines now. 0891-104-208. Gugu in Pretoria, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Hi, Gugu. Hi, Sakina, I'm a a law-abiding citizen. I've been paying my e-tolls from the date of inception. It is my belief, Sakina, that government has bended backwards to meet the users halfway, and we are the first ones to complain quite often to say government is not delivering when the road infrastructure is in a bad condition. I think we must say progressive economies understand this principle very well. Duven H must move on and stop promoting lawlessness in this country and being so negative against progress. Thank you, Sakina. Thanks, Gugu. Uh, Sipo in Alberton. Hello. Uh, thank you for giving me an opportunity. Firstly, the lady who just spoke now, you can hear she's an ANC, so she, she can afford because they steal a lot of money. If they could attend the issue of corruption and stealing of money, I think they'll be able to, 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 to service this debt. And the question is, what is so difficult to take the, the fuel levy to maintain the roads, as the, the apartheid government was doing. And it was actually doing a better job as compared to what they are doing now. So they are just milking the people for their own benefit. And another last point, I wonder who are the beneficiaries when we continuously pay, who's benefiting from this? Maybe a commission of inquiry should also be the be executed so that you can find out because for me this is criminal all right thanks you must work and pay for these guys no thanks sipo that's sipo in alberton emmanuel in brownfontein thank you for giving me this chance i'm not a member of the anc but uh, i do pay my uh, tax uh, and and this is two very important things I I i was going to raise in relation to this one one is the question of principle who is going to pay for infrastructure so uh, one of the points that uh, Gavin always, I think, is, is, is uh, evading is, is that principal question. I think that that is key, key area. Unless we pay, unless the user pays the, uh, the tax, then no one is going to maintain the standard of road that we have here relatively, you know, in relation to many African countries. Even some of the continental southern European countries are good transport, a good road. So that is very, very important. The second question then is, what should take the form of taxation? His point is we have to do this levy for petrol, but, but that is un- inequitable. It's not equitable because it's going to affect people, for instance, in Tashana, who might not use frequently the Houghton Road. So if it is going to be equitable, then it has to be paid by those people who are particularly using that particular road. So in short, what I want to say is I think we shouldn't play with popular sentiment to exploit what is fundamentally sound economic principle that infrastructure has to constantly be maintained otherwise we're going backward with that one thank you very much thank you so much emmanuel in bromfontein Irvin jim good morning 
Good morning, Sakina. Affordability, sustainability. I'm sorry, we reject it all. The bottom line is that this government knows very well that workers and everybody else maintain that those roads belong to the people. Once you take those roads and privatize them, this affordability, sustainability that we are being workshopped about is going to go through the window. Within no time, five years from now, those roads will be very expensive. They will be because the private sector that is involved in the, in the roads is going to be making money out of this. There is no private sector that gets involved in terms of this user pay principle for purposes of delivering quality service. The only reason why they invested in buying the property of the people which is roads is simply to make sure that they make money. And it's time for South Africans to wake up. This government is taking us to doldrums. ESCOM, as we speak, I promise you, I did nothing to him. Tabo is my witness. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, that we lost the signal there. Um, Urban Jim, we seem to have lost there. Uh, but I think we got the gist of what he was saying about privatization and the impact of that on this whole matter. But just a few others uh, coming through on the SMS line. What basis will be applied for future increases? And this one says, Fervur, Declerc, Buerta, etc. Build good roads. And now there's potholes and etols. Gerald, you calling from Durban. Good morning. Sakina. Yeah, it's just these loyal cadres that are phoning in and, and volunteering to pay for infrastructure. I just hope they don't come from Soweto. Because according to Sipo uh, Mosondo's uh, article in the City Press, he said he had never heard of anyone... Uh, growing up in Soweto that was paying for electricity, that paid for water, or ever thought about paying rates or taxes. So, you know, there's a huge culture of non-payment already in the country. And this is a sign of basically uh, a government that has that is, doesn't have the ability to govern. Secondly, when it comes to the efficiency of collecting these taxes, um, we've seen what's happened in, in KZN. These are completely inefficient systems to collect. It's much more efficient to go through a a fuel levy, because behind these systems there's always a crony that's getting rich. In KZN, it shall be a shake. I can't say what happened when he got his tender for the toll roads here, but we know what happened with the arms deal. And his mates were working in the Department of Transport at the time. Where shall be a shake today? He's collecting money from the toll roads, sitting at home being a convicted fraudster. Okay, that's Gerald in Durban. Let's go to Eddie in Edenvale. Hi, Sakina and panel. Look, Wayne said it all. Uh, you know, the, the, the commission of inquiry was a total, a disgraceful farce. They didn't listen to all the, the, the experts and the public. So all that I've got to say is the ANC took a terrific knock in the last municipal elections. They were whittled down to only 51%. Wait till next year. Uh, when the angry public uh, stands up and, and, and votes them out. And, and, I, and I call on all furious motorists and, 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 and Jobig citizens, vote this government, this, uh, this ANC uh, uh, Jobig government out and, 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 and vote for, for opposition like the EFF or the DA that are prepared to listen to, to, to the citizens. Thanks, right, Thanks so much, Eddie and Edenvale. Mutipe and Soshanguve, good morning. 
I can't greet you. I was instructed not to greet you. Um, I'll proceed. <laughs> Mr. Masebe, I don't find logic in what you're saying. Because you're almost wanting to tell us when that other gentleman is actually raising a point that 90% of the people who participated in the consultation process rejected it all outrightly. And you're saying, therefore, the panel arrived at a different condition. What was the purpose then? They should have then met somewhere and decided how to mitigate. I don't know if I'm making sense. Because if, if, if it's true that 90% of the people and organizations that participated in the process have actually rejected, for well, my own logical conclusion, it would be the people of this country do not want let's find other means and methods. If I was in Parliament, I was going to raise a point of order to the first caller. I mean, that lady, she's upset. She's trying to portray the speaker, and she wants to make this a racial issue, an anti-government issue. It's not true. When she's trying to suppress you, guests, I was told not to greet you, but continue to raise this, this voice, your voice for us, the voiceless, and I don't think you are actually even opposed to want to bring lawlessness in this country because you're not even going to get my support. All what we're raising is we were not consulted, and the government should have properly thought this through. I mean, even the ANC, her logic doesn't even stand. The ANC in Gauteng says, let it be scrapped. So I, I, is she saying ANC is anti-progress in Gauteng? Is, is she saying ANC is non-progressive, um, is non-pro-progressive, what she calls a progressive um, economy? No, she's totally out. But I'm saying if the government really listens to the people, let's find another way. And, and it has been put as a suggestion before, let's go through this for a and, and And we'll support it. Okay, that's uh, Mutipe and Sashanguve. Maweti in Pretoria, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Maweti. Th- thank you so much. I must first up front declare that I work for the Department of Transport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but secondly, I think... Wayne needs not to mislead our people. The issue around cloning of number plates, he knows very well that we, like, we, all of us knew that they were cloned number plates. But because of installing the system, monitoring traffic movement, we then came to a scientific figure. Not necessarily based on assumptions, but based on what the reality is as movements happen on the network. And therefore we then have that figure. It didn't jump from 10% to 20%. That's not true. It can't be true. He knows that very well. But the, the second thing is the issue around criminalizing the offense. Government did not change that. ARTO, as, as, as an instrument to move away from criminalizing traffic offenses to institute administrative adjudication, moves away, takes us away from it. So ARTO has been in existence for some time. So we did not wake up think that uh, the Criminal Procedure Act would be scrapped. But the realization was that rather use this as a means to deal with it administratively rather than going through the court system and make it a criminal offense. Mm. All right. Mm. Thanks so much, um, Mawetu, in uh, Pretoria. Um, I'll give you an opportunity. Just Let me just take uh, the last two calls who have uh, also been holding on. Uh, Gerald in Pretoria as well. Good morning. Hi, this is Joe Sakina. Um, yes, uh, I would like to also contribute here. And uh, look, uh, I, I want to agree with the first lady, the first caller, the very first caller. This is this is this has got nothing to do with politics. Uh, the and and one other caller in, uh, said that uh, you know there's this culture of people don't want I and mean, not wanting to pay for services. Mm-hmm. We we've, we've heard about the the situation so where to where government is trying to change the system to prepaid and so people just don't want to pay. 
I don't know. So, so uh, as for as for Juvenach and them, uh, Ivan Jim and so on. I mean, these guys are, are, are especially for Juvenach, as, as as if he was born before toll gates were 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 implemented. He's been there. Toll gates have always come on shows and say toll gates have been there. It's been part of our lives. But what what is the problem with this one? In fact, it, it's funny. You know, it's very very strange. Uh, Sakina, that this is the most convenient way. I mean, I don't have to wait on the road and get a change and so on. This, this is very funny. So it's got nothing to do with the elections, got nothing to do with politics. People must just build this country. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I just want to build this country. People must just pay for services. And your avant genes and the, your juvenile, they must just stop uh, 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 misleading us, really. Just, just pay for the services. Okay, Thanks. that's Gerald de Pretoria. Mandla, you in Johannesburg. Hi, Sagina. I just want to make two points again, and 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 I'm base my argument to Mr. Masebe there. I just want to make two points. The first point is that there's a context to this. South Africans are feeling very, very like angry and understanding of of administered prices that are in double digits, or as inflation is in three to six percent. Uh, Mr. Masebe, I want to tell you that Auditor General, after Auditor General, has said that this economy is losing 30 billion. So people are really discontent. They are saying that there is money in the economy. People are paying taxes, but the money is not being used efficiently. So you need to look into that. And then there's the second point, people are saying that uh, we must pay for infrastructure. Yes, we must pay for infrastructure, and, and we don't expect people in Tanzania to pay for infrastructure. But the last time we looked, South Africa was a unitary state, meaning that the taxes in Houding, in Northwest, and elsewhere go to a single pot and they get distributed equitably. So that is what people are saying. So please listen to the people when they're saying they don't want this system because it is inefficient and there's a lot of corruption. All right. Thank you so much uh, for that, Mandai in Johannesburg. Uh, uh, Mr. Juvenage, let me start with you. Yes. So just a quick couple of responses. I think, first of all, the, the gentleman that came on with the, from the Department of Transport, if he believes that the number plate cloning problem has not gone over 20%, listen to Wayne Minow, the spokesperson of the Joburg Metro. They have said clearly, and, and just go and Google it, uh, number plate cloning, uh, Wayne Minow, um, Metro Police, and you'll see that they've spoken about the problem that is of, of number plate cloning has been exacerbated by ETOLs. Uh, roughly, and this is the research that's done, roughly 10% of cars in, in Gauteng, in Johannesburg, had false number plates as a result of the traffic fine situation prior to tolling. Tolling pushed that well over 20%. It's a massive problem for them. He talks about R2. I will show you the headlines that R2 is going to be working and up and running in 2007 efficiently. It is still not in place eight years later, and we believe there's still going to be massive problems with that. Uh, to the last caller, the, or the, or the caller just before him that says, you know, we, we just complain and don't want to pay taxes. We, we pay taxes. I pay taxes. I pay for these roads every day. I go to work. I, I, every time I fill my car up, I'm putting roughly 100 rand into the uh, uh, fuel levy. I pay my taxes uh, for work. And it's not, a, it's not a matter of just being disruptive. It's a matter of finding out the best, most efficient way for government to apply the taxes for this infrastructure that's required. Somebody said earlier on that, um, that you know, it's not equitable. Why should somebody in, 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 in Costa or, or Mafeking pay for Joburg's roads? The question is who's paying for their roads? We are paying for their roads. That's why a fuel levy is the most equitable way to go. And the last thing I just want to say is that 
that, um, you know, for the government to say we've reduced the tariffs, they have not reduced the tariffs. The tariff is still 30 cents per kilometer. All they've done is taken away the standard tariff, which nobody was paying anyway. And then to say that we've reduced the cap from 450 rand to 225 rand. Well, let me just say this, that Sandwell themselves said that over 90% of people weren't even getting to the cap of 225. So really, that that reduction in in, in the cap is just another farcical way of trying to appease a very, very small percentage of, of, of the public. Quite frankly, nothing has really changed in this dispensation other than another stick has been put into the process to try and coerce the public to participate. It is still a very cumbersome system fraught with errors, fraught with inefficiencies, costs over a billion rand a year to administer the ETOL system and cuts traffic on profiteers out of this. I mean, what, what can they not see that the public do not want this and they refuse to participate? All right. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Mr. Masebe. Yeah, I think maybe let let me just start with uh, Wayne again. And I want to repeat what I said earlier. The panel, the advisory panel conducted a comprehensive uh, assessment. It conducted research or it commissioned research, met with uh, experts from various fields, transport, economists, academics, and so on. And it consulted with a range of organizations, civil society organizations, outer included. It consulted with the ordinary members of the public where they were asked to air their views. It consulted with political parties. It consulted with the state-owned companies that are affected by this system. And in the end they sat down to analyze all the evidence that they had uh, generated from this process. Then came to the conclusion where they identified uh, the negative impacts of the system. And having done that, they then uh, made a set of recommendations. Now, you see... uh, Uh, That process was not a referendum. It was much more than what... Because a referendum is... uh, You ask people a question, do you want this or you don't want it? It's not helpful. They went deep into the problem to say, what are the negative impacts of this system on the economy and on the people of Gauteng? Having done that, they then said... What must government do to mitigate these negative impacts? Then they gave us a set of recommendations, which we are now implementing. But yes, then it happens that uh, some of the people who participated in the process don't want to move from their original position. Now, we can't build that way. If you stay in one position and say, look, the only thing you can do this is by charging people the fuel levy and so on. And I think, uh, uh, Sakina, I would want to recommend that you speak to, to either the Minister of Finance or the Director General of uh, Treasury. Ask them to explain the whole issue of taxation and the fuel levy, its place 
in a range of sources that government uh, uses to collect uh, revenue. If you remember uh, this year, the Minister of Finance announced uh, quite a steep increase in the fuel levy. Uh, and the, the, the fuel levy, the revenue that is collected uh, through the fuel levy, is then part of the whole uh, revenue or that, that government u- uses to meet uh, the financial needs uh, of the country. Now, but as I said, I would really recommend that uh, the Minister of Finance should speak to the people, explain how we collect taxes, and explain how we use those taxes to fund uh, the needs or to address uh, the pressure areas. Mm. Now, coming back to this process, if you participate in a process and then in the end you say, because people don't, uh, my position is not the, 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 the winning position. Therefore, whatever is proposed will not work. And you will ne- then go at length to find reasons why it will not work. So that's what you're accusing what Wayne, Wayne Juvenage of now. Yes, okay. because now in government, we are concerned mainly with finding solutions and moving forward. We believe that this dispensation adequately addresses the negative uh, impacts that were identified by the panel. And yes, there are still challenges remaining, including uh, uh, compliance, the issue of compliance. But we are determined to address them. So we want solutions. We don't want uh, to find reasons why things cannot and should not be done. And we believe that the panel really helped us to, to find solutions. We're talking about e-tolls. And, 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 and let me just state categorically because, you know, there are so many messages coming through about Irvin Jim's uh, 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 call dropping there. Um, you know, this one sums it up. Uh, good hair says, they scrambled Irvin Jim's signal whilst he was making a good point. Well, it wasn't from our side. And um, I'm sure, uh, you know, we'll ask him what happened there later on. But definitely not from our side. That line simply dropped. But um, speaking of Irvin Jim and the issue that he raised, Mr. Masebe, are we private privatizing our roads? No, we're not privatizing the roads. The roads are an important uh, infrastructure that uh, we need, that the economy needs, because we must move as people from one place to another. We must also move our goods. So the roads uh, play a most important uh, part in that. Uh, so we're not privatizing them, but they need to be maintained. Because and for us to maintain them, the people who use them must pay for them. It, it, because it, for me, that links up with the, uh, the, the, the point that SIPA was making about the beneficiaries. And this also, you know, has create quite a, created quite a storm in terms of people talking about who is actually benefiting from these monies that are being collected through the user pay system. Well, the contracts were issued, uh, tenders were issued, and contracts were then signed between Sanral and the companies that uh, presented uh, or made proposals. Uh, If people uh, think that uh, those companies uh, shouldn't have gotten the contracts, 
they are free to go to court and show why these companies should not have uh, received the contracts. And I'm sure our courts will be able to rule. Our courts have been able to rule on other matters uh, before, so I don't really want to get into that. Uh, but the point I want to say is that we are now, uh, this new dispensation helps us uh, to move forward. But yeah, of course, if there's anybody with evidence of corruption, please do come forward. We'll be able to deal with that uh, and make sure that we get to the bottom of that. Wayne Divinage? Yeah, I just want to say that, um, you know, the contracts are not open to the public. The contracts have been kept uh, uh, um, uh, undisclosed to the public because Senra blanked out all the pages and we were even told to sign confidentiality and non-disclosure agreements to have those contracts in the the court case. They're not open. And how do people then contest that? But I'd like to uh, ask Tyler this. We've done some calculations with engineers' inputs that the road construction costs of GFIP should never come to more than about 10.8 billion rand. Now, in the beginning, when the high costs of these road construction costs were put to Sanral, the initial response was everything, there's nothing untoward, everything's above board. Then the Competitions Commission came out and said, not, not at all. There's actually been a lot of collusion here, and the construction costs have been pushed up quite a lot. So those construction costs then came in at 17.9 billion rand. That's just over 7 billion rand more than the 10.8 that we should have paid, that we should have paid. So now society has lumped with an odious debt. It is in my right as a citizen not to pay towards that odious debt. All we've been asking for the last two years is for the uh, minister or somebody in government to commission an independent inquiry to find out what is going on here. How is it that under Sanral's watch, these are the experts that know the road building costs, have allowed the construction industry to do this under their noses? That is, that is remiss of them. That is out of line. The oversight on, on, on this whole project has been very dismal. And you want me, the government wants me, to contribute to corruption and collusion. I'm sorry. I refuse to do so. I stand my rights there. Now, that's an odious debt that the government has not dealt with. Nobody is tackling this issue, and we wonder why. Uh, so until you deal with that, until you claw the 7.1 billion rand back from the road construction companies, we refuse to pay for this unnecessary debt. And, and I just want to go back, to and, and, and say, yes, you've got all the experts. You've listened to everybody. The fact of the matter is throughout that whole panel process, throughout the whole interministerial committee process, 90% plus of all those submissions rejected the scheme for many reasons. So if you say you've taken all of that into account and you've now plowed the way forward with a scheme which is very not really different to what you currently have, all right. have you really listened? Uh, just, w- Wayne, we did not tell yeah. the panel what to say in its report. Yes. The panel is an independent uh, institution. They conducted this so work. Was, yeah. They spoke to you. But they spoke to many other people, and then they analyzed and arrived at what they think will be a workable solution. Let me repeat that uh, as government, we're interested in finding solutions to problems. Now, it's easy, it's easy, Wayne, where you sit, to only find uh, problems and find reasons why things 
will not and should not work. And even go but, to the extent of finding reasons why people should uh, 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 oppose uh, things. But as government, we really want to work with the people, including with you and the organization yes, that you represent. We want to work with the people to find solutions that help us move forward. All right. And the that's unfortunately need. all we have time for, Wayne Duvenich. Sure, this is not the last time that we'll be having this particular discussion. And, of course, so many questions still linger, and I'm sure the answers will start emerging as we move along. But thanks, as always, for your participation. Thanks to our guest this morning, Outer Chairperson Wayne Duvenich, and uh, Gauteng uh, Government Spokesperson Tabo Masebe. And it is 9 o'clock, time for news with Vabakshni Chetty Miller.